welcome to another episode of that there dang podcast that's dicey. Yeah, that one. That's the one. I'm Steph. I'm Andrew. And today we're going to talk about the Unearthed Arcana playtest for one D&D and kind of go over our thoughts on the document and maybe make some comparisons to how the original printing of it was. And uh, yeah, um, so document is short or long depending on who you ask. It's, it's like 21 pages and it mostly goes over your... It covers your background, the classes, your feats. Yeah, and then there's like a short rules glossary type thing at the back that changes some rules in some weird and interesting ways that we'll discuss later. To start, the general synopsis of this is like character origin. The first thing of note is that they didn't make the change from calling character races character races. Um, it's been a thing for quite a while now. People have been talking about because, yeah, the word race has connotations outside of the game that are kind of not cool. And there's so many other words. There's a bunch of other words. They even use lineage in rules that they already have that essentially do the same thing. So they could just use that as the word, change it to something. First thing to cover, just a, no, a side note. And then they get into backgrounds and how you build your own background. Then they have some sample backgrounds and feats and then the rules glossary. So we'll start with the, start with the different uh, character lineage changes. Human now has three special traits. Um, resourceful, which says you gain inspiration whenever you finish a long rest. Skillful, you gain proficiency in one skill of your choice. Versatile, you gain the skilled feat or another first level feat of your choice. So um, much like variant human, you get the you get the feat at first level. Resourceful is interesting depending on how you know inspiration plays out in this you know new update to the game. Inspiration is cool. Skillful is is very meh. Um, honestly, proficiency in a skill is meh. <laughs> but I think a lot of the first level feats are interesting and unique things that will give you fun things to play with if you're playing a human. Although it does seem like it's incredibly easy in in this playtest to get inspiration and that it's not like in traditional just basic 5e that we've been playing where it's not as not as easy, I don't think. I mean there are lots of DMs that just give it out all the time, which is something perhaps I should do, but it seems like it's a lot easier and that it's encouraged to use your inspiration a lot more. I haven't Human. seen a lot of inspiration written into things. Excuse me, chair. Um, you know, like, do this thing and you are guaranteed inspiration. I've just deemed it something that's very much up to the will of the DM. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see that, like, if you are a human... You are now guaranteed a point of inspiration after every long rest. Yeah. And um, to see if there are going to be more spots where they work inspiration into the rules. Because I think it is really cool and there are a lot of different ways that players can use it. Yeah. But my DM for my other group 
just started using inspiration and it is given very arbitrarily um if we show up on time or early to the zoom call we get a point of inspiration um but i think because inspiration you can uh, use it to give yourself advantage on any kind of check right yeah so it's interesting to see where your players are going to value it and where they're going to use it and so now that it is more like guaranteed in the game i think that'll be an interesting tweak yeah um, but um uh one i guess one thing more about the the skilled feat is looking later in the document at the feat it uh each of them has a a little like section that says repeatable and skilled says yes um so uh I was just thinking you can take the skilled feat that it gives you from the versatile trait and then use the feat in your background to take the skill trait and get proficiency in six skills, which seems pretty solid. Well, seven skills because you have the, the skillful. Thing. So you start, the, you, you start with seven proficiencies before you choose your class and then you choose your class and you get whatever proficiencies from that. So. That could be cool to round out your proficiency and skills. So you're adding the plus two to pretty much everything. Uh, There's also a lot less description for all of the lineages. Um, I know this is just, uh, is this a draft? Is this one? Does this cut this part out? It's a, uh, it's, it's unearthed. It's a playtest document. So they expect people to take these rules and add them into their games and play with them. And then there's going to be a survey where you can get feedback on your playtest experience, which is something we should probably do. We should probably just throw these random rules in in a session somewhere and just see how they play, how they pan out. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going to have anything. Cut me out, but keep your parts. I'm trying to think um, if we're, I guess if we're being fair, um, human uh, prior got a plus one to all the ability scores and uh, and uh, extra languages. Um, the variant human got the feat and then uh, a plus two and a plus one to something. Well, they, all, uh, they have all the darn house things. Oh, you two different ability scores increased by one. Get proficiency in a skill and a feat. Um, so this is maybe more interesting because <laughs> you still get the feat and the skill and you also get the inspiration at long rest. And um, ability scores have been moved from the races to background. Right. Uh, yeah. Which honestly makes more sense. You know, you're you're a good fighter because you come from a long line of soldiers versus you're a good fighter because you're an orc. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the second the lineage they cover in this thing is a new one, a brand new thing called Ardling. Mm-hmm. Um. They're, hmm, 
They're soup, soup, supernal, supernal. I'm gonna read it, but now I'm not so confident. I don't, I don't know. So when I was skimming, I read supernatural, but that's way too less letters. Oh, it is supernal, supernal beings, intriguing. I don't, don't know what that means. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Relating to the sky or the heavens, ah, celestial. Okay. Why did they not? They're use born that? on the upper plains or have one or more ancestors who originated there. Okay. They are immortal. Oh, wait, no, they shine with the light of immortal beings. It says it typically has the head of something resembling an animal and. Don't think about the rest of the body. So, probably human esque, but animal head. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a weird. But not weird. Um, they might also have soft fur, downy yeah. feathers, or supple bear skin. Yeah, yeah. That bear skin better be supple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, they they get some power from from being celestial, um, depending on what um, different. Uh, Let's say genre of, of upper plane they come from. <laughs> um, so there's exalted, which is uh, the chaotic good planes. Um, there are examples: Arborea, Eastgard, the Beastlands. Um, Heavenly, which is the lawful good planes: uh, Arcadia, Mount Celestia, Pytopia, um, and then Idelic is the last one. Um, uh, it uh, neutral good planes, uh, but it also suggests two of the planes suggested in the other two, the Beastlands and Bytopia, but in addition Elysium as uh, examples of places that your character can come from or have ancestry from. Uh, they are humanoid. Um, they can be medium or small. Uh, they get flight. They can sprout spectral wings as a bonus action for a moment and fly up to a number of feet equal to their speed. If you are in the air at the end of this movement, you fall. Um, you can use this bonus action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, which is something that in newer books that they have been doing things based on proficiency bonus versus different numbers such as your level and your other things. Um, they had like a math chart where you added one plus your number plus another thing. And uh, now they've just been doing everything times your proficiency bonus. And uh, you regain all those uses when you finish a long rest. Oh, there's a little like chart uh, uh, that gives you your, you get spells from your exalted heavenly or idyllic thing. But there's also suggested animals, which is interesting. Exalted is cat, eagle, goat, and mule. You're just the goat head, <laughs> goat head man. Uh, heavenly is elephant, owl, pig, and stork. And then Idelic is bear, dog, raven, and toad. A raven head person would be interesting. Toad head person would be. <laughs> Toads don't have necks. Yeah. Just, 
just molds just directly into your chest. Just, like, just, just, just toad. Squish. You just, just, <laughs> you just space helmeted on there. Um, so, uh, you choose a celestial legacy um, from Exalted Heavenly or Idyllic, and you gain the initial benefit of the chosen legacy, the cantrip that you learn. You also choose an animal. Um, you don't get wings by choosing an animal that can fly. At third level, and again at fifth level, you gain the ability to cast higher level spell with this trait. Once you cast a spell with this trait, you can't do it again until you finish a long rest. However, you can cast the spell using spell slots, which is a unique and interesting change. Because um, normally you get to cast the spell once per long rest, or sometimes you get different spells and you can only cast one of them for a long rest, but you have like a bigger selection. Whereas this is, if you are a spellcaster, you can use those spells like they're your own spells. That's cool. And then you get to pick the spellcasting ability modifier. Uh, so that's a thing that was in Tasha's. They were putting a lot of that in there, which is great because it sucks sometimes when the thing told you you had to do your spellcasting modifier for this is intelligence. And you're like, wow, cool. I have no intelligence points. I have this new spell that doesn't help me at all because I'm going to be bad. Uh, and then they get resistance to radiant damage because you can't be up there in the celestial space without being able to deflect radiance. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, the, the spells are okay. Um, Thaumaturgy, Light Guidance, Divine Favor, Cure Wounds, Healing Word, Lesser Restoration, Zone of Truth, and Animal Messenger. All cool, useful spells, things. Um, Cure Wounds, Healing Word, good spells. Lesser Restoration, also a good spell. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Dragonborn. Yeah? Yeah. You okay? From what I can see, it looks like they... Did they add dark vision to Dragonborn? Yes. That's cool. Uh, it was a, a broad assumption, I guess, among people that Dragonborn should have dark vision. So they just went ahead and did it. Because I think dragons have dark vision. <laughs> so... So, yeah, the things they born. Yeah. 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 But, um... For what I can see, they, everything else, well, a lot of it looks very similar. Um, uh, can't think of, oh, the, the breath weapon is uh, a little small, smallly different. Um, instead of all the different, uh, like, ranges and feet and directions, yeah. they're all a 15-foot cone. Yeah, it uh, used to be... Half of them were a 5 by 30 foot line. Everything is just a 15 foot cone now. Yeah. All the colors and um, damage types are still the same. So a black dragon is still acid damage. Brass dragon is still fire damage. All that good stuff. Um, in the original version, 
Does it proficiency bonus breath weapon? Is it? Yes, it's your the DC for the saving throw is eight plus your Constitution modifier plus your proficiency bonus, okay. which is the same in the new one. And then how many times can you use it? I don't. I don't mm-hmm. have it up. Where would I? Find? Oh, after you use your breath rep- weapon, you can't use it again until you complete a short or long rest. Okay. Uh, in this version, you get to use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. Okay. And then regain all expended uses. Uh, at level one, that's only two, but that's double the amount of times. I feel like that makes more sense, though. Like, as part dragon, yeah. you should be able to do dragon things more often yeah. than once a day. Yeah. And then higher levels, it's three, four, yeah. six. Six times a day is crazy. But you're like a super high level character, so it's like you've practiced, you know, breathing fire all this time, so you should be better at it. <laughs> Which I think is a cool trait of tying things to proficiency bonus because you get better at doing things naturally as you level up, which is cool because you know, all of the things will, you know, line up and be better. Uh, yeah. I think that's all that's all really didn't change very much. Yeah. What is dwarf? Dwarf. I'm just trying to find it in the player handbook if you hear any page flipping. I'm trying mm-hmm. to do a side by side. Oh. There it is. Yeah. Alright. I think in the I think in the player's handbook, isn't there two different types of dwarf? Yeah, there's like a hill dwarf and a, uh, it's like a weird secondary thing in the, I think it's on the other page, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like a weird, like, Hill dwarf um, and mountain dwarf. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. I don't want to say that and then be completely wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Hilldorf Mountain Dwarf thing is gone. Um, it's all just one dwarf. You're all the same dwarf. Uh, I think they were originally saying that that was because the hill and mountain aspects were more a aspect of culture than a physiological thing about dwarfs. Um, whereas this version is all physiological stuff. Mm-hmm. There is a new special trait to go with dwarves. It's called Forgewise, and it is, your divine creator gave you an uncanny affinity for working with stone and metal. You gain tool proficiency with two of the um, following options. Jeweler's tools, mason's tools, smith's tools, or tinker tools. And that, I believe, is new. It's not yeah. listed in the traits in the player's handbook. Yeah, and I think that's super cool. In you know it's it's cool because uh, later in the in the in the playtest document in one of the feats they talk about crafting and I think maybe they'll have a some sort of crafting system and so like having this proficiency with these tools will be useful to like crafting things like oh, I made a sword you know I have Smith's tools or I made a necklace because I got jeweler's tools yeah. and what that means I guess in in the game because they specifically reference like time and percentages and uh when we get to the feats we'll 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 go back over it but i i think that's part of 
the coolness of this, but also the your divine creator thing as, you know, a person who runs the game quite a lot. That seems cool because it's like I can figure out who that is and why they gave, you know, dwarfs that. Why do they have it? Um, how does that correlate? I think that's cool, like built in world building into the idea of the having those in your world. Yeah, because you have to find a way to make it make sense because, you know, back to the issue with races, it's yeah. like, oh, you're a dwarf. You must be good with jeweling, like jeweler's tools. Yeah. Like, ah, but putting it back into the reference of your divine creator yeah. and your DM figuring out the why and how. Yeah. Um, the other, I guess, larger change they have in here is to stone cunning. Um, I don't remember what stone cunning does in the original. In the original, stone cunning is whenever you make an intelligence um, check related to the origin of stonework, a history check, you are considered proficient in the history skill and add double your proficiency bonus to the check instead of your normal proficiency bonus. Where it has. What is the new thing they've added, Andrew? Uh, stone cunning in the new version uh, says, as a bonus action, you gain Tremor Sense with a range of 60 feet for 10 minutes. You must be on a stone surface or touching such a surface to use this Tremor Sense. The stone can be natural or worked. You can use this bonus action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. Uh, tremor Sense is similar to like a form of vision, but it's not a form of vision. Um, let me scroll down to the rules glossary and see what they describe it as. A creature with tremor sense can pinpoint the location of a creature and moving objects within a specific range, provided that the creature with tremor sense or anything it's detecting are both in contact with the same surface, such as the ground, a wall, or a ceiling. In our dwarf's case, it would be stone. If they're touching stone, then they know someone else is touching stone and they can sense them within 60 feet. Which is which is a cool thing, like running around caves, you know? You're in a dungeon and you touch the wall and you're like, someone's moving over there, like in that, on the other side of this wall, or, you know, it's an interesting and like, I guess, unique thing to use in different instances uh which is completely new and different whereas i feel like the original you know history thing is like when is when is it like i get when are you creating scenarios where you're asking for the history of some stonework <laughs> and if that's important like i feel like you're i don't know i feel like leaving it to a role seems weird also because it's like Okay, they have to figure out the history of this stone, and if they don't, then, you know, do they succeed or fail based on figuring out the history of this stone? I feel like, yes, it's useful in the scenario where you need that, but, like, hinging a thing so difficult that you would need to roll dice to figure out the history of a stone just seems like a weird scenario. Whereas the tremor sense thing makes sense, because it's like, you know, dwarves living in, you know wherever they live, you know, interacting with stone. <clears throat> they can have the whole 
tremor sense concept. Like, they know when people are moving around in stone because they can feel it just innately, which is an interesting thing. Um, yeah. They speak to the walls, and the walls speak back. <clears throat> yeah, and there, I did also, yeah, there's a lot of cool ways to, like, make it fun and interesting. Like, you know, uh, like the dwarf just lying on the ground, like, <laughs> in the middle of, like, a search. Like, oh, we're trying to find something. Or find someone and they just like lie on the ground and they're like they're over there because <laughs> I can feel them. Uh, and I think the there are fun moments to be had with that. Whereas like stopping to figure out the history of a statue is you make a roll to figure out the history of the statue. You succeed and then the dungeon master tells you the history of the statue. And it's not really a like character moment. It's a <laughs> you know. It's a roll dice to read my box text moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They still have Dwarven Resilience, uh, Dark Vision, the Dwarven Toughness. Um, They still have those things. Uh, Those are all really cool things. Um, Yeah, I think Dwarf is cool. Dwarf looks cool. What's next? Um, Next up, I believe, is Elf. There's like three different elves. Yeah, three, three elves. Do, do, do. Uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> elves are cool. Um, We've still got drow, high elf, and wood elf. Yeah. Um, I think this. Uh, I think this is elf is a weird place to have an interesting distinction, I guess. Because we just talked about the dwarf having mountain dwarf and hill dwarf and that not being a thing in the game anymore because it reflected like a cultural thing. Um, whereas elf has still the same different separate elf types. And I think it correlates to a sentence that is in here where it says uh, elves have the mystical ability to take on characteristics of the environments. They bond with these connections, grant elves access to certain kinds of magic. So, hey, drow is in whatever your place's equivalent to the Underdark is. Maybe that is the Underdark or something else. Um, And they innately gain magical abilities from being in that environment. And it's not, I guess... um, A racial thing? Yeah, it's not a thing that has to do with their culture or any of that. They can culturally be whatever they want to be. It's where they draw on magic from as elves. Um, And I think that's interesting. um, Because, like, astral elves are in space. So they, like, draw on magic in space. So it's a different... uh, Space elf. Yeah. It's a... a, um, Yeah. Uh... So they have a lot of the same things. Dark vision, fate ancestry, keen senses. They still do trance. Um, They don't sleep. Finish a long rest in four hours. Um, And then they have the different uh, lineages, which again is, they use the word lineage a bunch of times in in a bunch of documents. They could just say lineage. So you get a first, a third, and a fifth level ability from uh, your lineage. And 
The drow gets dark vision up to 120 feet and the dancing lights cantrip. Third level they get fairy fire and at fifth level they get darkness. Um, you can uh, cast these spells once and then you can't do it again until you finish a long rest. However, you do still get the cast it with spell slots if you are a spellcaster and you get to choose the spellcasting modifier, which is great because if you're a spellcaster, then you choose whatever your spellcasting modifier is and you can cast the spells using that. <clears throat> One of the changes is um, High Elf. Um, it went from, you know, one cantrip of your choice from the wizard spell list to your cantrip is Prestidigitation. And the Wood Elf, you now know the Druidcraft cantrip. And that's not in the original. Okay. So um, the Drow had Dancing Lights already, but um, I think it's interesting that they took away the choice of your cantrip from High Elf. You, from any cantrip you want to it is prestidigitation yeah um it does also say whenever you finish a long rest you can replace that cantrip with a different cantrip from the arcane spell list uh. which is a uh, a new thing um they're splitting the spell list into three groups um arcane primal and there's mm-hmm. another one I think it's divine. What is it? Man, divine, yeah. Um, okay, so they're splitting them into three different groups. Um, arcane, divine, and primal. And those three groups will be how they allocate spell lists um, instead of the uh, class-based thing. So they would say wizard, they would say you can pick one from the bard or the you know, warlock list, or you can pick... uh, So all of the classes won't have separate lists, I don't think, in this version. I think maybe it's possible that each class will have their own spells that are only their spells, but then they'll pick from one of the lists. So like a druid would pick primal spells, um, and then a wizard would pick arcane spells, and they'll be broken up that way. But, like, it's possible that wizard could have wizard spells that only wizards can cast. Um, That's an interesting thing to look for and see in future documents. Um, But, yeah, that's a change they made. They changed spell lists from being this character class spells to those three different groups. Which is an interesting change. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Do... The High Elf and um, Wood Elf get other spells in the original version, or is it just... Not that I can tell. Okay. Um, um, but I don't see um, some of the other things that distinguish them, like Mask of the Wild. For a Wood Elf, you can attempt to hide when you're only lightly obscured, and you can hmm. see anywhere in the new one. Um... Or the drow's sunlight sensitivity. Hooray! You don't have to carry an umbrella to be a drow anymore. <laughs> um, so in this version, the high elf gets detect magic at third level and misty step at fifth level. And then the wood elf gets long strider and 
at third level and pass without a trace at fifth level. So they get a cantrip, a spell, and then another spell. And then they all pretty much have the same traits. Uh, dark vision, day ancestry, keen senses, and trance. You're a little bit faster. Is uh, that still on here? Oh. Oh, it is. Your speed. Increases to 35 feet. Wait, where did you see that? <coughs> it's a uh, wood elf. Wood, wood elf. It's okay. like the first level thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean. That's in the other I one. think that's cool because it's not, um, I guess, indicating any sort of, again, cultural thing. Um, it's like. You know, the drow get their magic from this place, and here's some stuff you would have because you drew your magic from here. The things you would just know, because that's where you draw your magic from. And so it's all spell-oriented, less, like, action-type things. I mean, I guess the spells are actions, but it's more about the magic than it is about the the skills and abilities to do things. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of text on elves um, and from different worlds. Uh, speaking of which, that's on all of the uh, different uh, lineages we covered. There's like a little paragraph or so discussing that lineage in different worlds. Uh, so the next one is gnome. Gnome, 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 mickgnome, gnome. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's gnome in the in the player handbook. I so. believe so. I think it's yes. There it is. Uh, huh. So most of the gnome abilities are the same. Uh, dark vision, gnome cunning, uh, there are gnome lineages, um, forest gnome, rock gnome. Uh, forest gnomes have ancestral ties to the forest. <laughs> uh, and rock gnomes have ancestors who lived in mountains. Um, who ate rocks. Uh, the forest gnome in the player's handbook, I think, is the one, uh, maybe, okay. possibly. Um, you got it right here. Yeah. What are you looking for? Uh, so in this you have the minor illusion cantrip. Does is that that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do you also have this pulled up? Yes. Okay. I was like, there's no way you looked over my shoulder that fast. Uh, yeah. No. So um, yeah, they have the minor illusion cantrip. Um, it says that uh, <clears throat> intelligence is your spellcasting modifier for. That in the original book, um, in this book, you can choose what your spellcasting ability modifier thing is. Um, you have uh, the speak with animal spell in the new version. Um, you can use it up to proficiency times. You can also use spell slots. Um, and in the original book, what does it say? So I can stop flip-flopping. Um, you are ahead of me. What? Forest gnomes. Forest gnomes. Forest gnomes. What about them? Uh, what is their other ability? Speak with small beasts. Mm, okay. What is that? Through sounds and gestures, you can communicate simple ideas with small or smaller beasts. 
Forest gnomes love animals and often keep squirrels, badgers, rabbits, moles, woodpeckers, and other creatures as beloved pets. Okay. That is not in the new one. No. Uh, but if you want a pet squirrel, by golly, you still have a pet squirrel. Yeah. Uh, but also, it uh, you get to speak with animals, so you, you can still talk to them, but it doesn't put the implied you're a forest gnome, you love animals aspect in there. So you could speak to animals and be a person who really hates animals. Like, oh man, I gotta go talk to this squirrel about where this person went. Like, hey squirrel, where'd they go? (laughs) (laughs) Squirrel. Uh, Which I I, I think is cool. I mean, I'm a big fan of animals, so I would not play a forest gnome that loves animals. But I feel like it gives you the opportunity to decide that yourself, whereas... I guess in the original version, they're kind of saying, you're a forest gnome, you love animals. Um, and that's why you can talk to them, because you love them. Uh, so, Rock Gnome uh, gets mending and prestidigitation cantrips. Um, and in addition, you get an entire paragraph of dialogue and text. And oh my god, why is this so long? Okay. Um, in addition, you can spend 10 minutes casting prestidigitation. To create a tiny clockwork device. Casting prestidigitation? Yeah. Uh, so they don't have Tinker anymore? No. Okay. It's an interesting way to replace uh, Tinker with. Yeah. Which pretty much the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. I've always, like, prestidigitation means, like, clean this up. Yeah. So, like, I'm gonna make a toy with my clean this up skill. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, press the digitation to create a tiny clockwork device, such as a toy, a fire starter, or a music box. Casting the spell in this way consumes 10 gold pieces worth of raw material, um, which you provide during casting. When you create the device, you can determine its function by choosing one effect from press the digitation. Device produces the effect whenever you or another creature takes a bonus action to touch the device and activate it. If the chosen effect has options within it, you choose one of those options for the device when you create it. For example, if you choose the spell's Ignite Extinguish effect, you determine whether the device ignites or extinguishes fire. The device doesn't do both. You can have three such devices in existence at a time, and each one dismantles itself after eight hours. Um, You can touch one of your devices and dismantle it as an action. Once after the device is dismantled, the ten gold pieces of material used to create it can be reclaimed. Oh, okay. So you get, you know, 30 gold pieces of material, and you can make essentially any of these things and you can make three of them at a time as long as you got 30 minutes and then you're like oh well now it's time to pack up you can break them all down and keep all the that is nice keep all the material to do it again somewhere else and set up like an alarm system with <laughs> it's a uh, it's, it's macaulay culkin home alone <laughs> Just, i made a bunch of toys we're gonna wreck your day Macaulay Culkin was a rock gnome. Yeah. Hot takes. Speaking of stuff, what? I guess I sort of want to look and see what the all the effects on breasted digitation are. Did. Did. 
What does it say? Alright. Uh, press the digitation is an action. It's a cantrip. Um, you create one of the following magic effects within range. You create an instantaneous harmless sensory effect, such as a, sa a shower of sparks, a puff of wind, faint musical notes, or an odd odor. Um, you instantly light or snuff out a candle, torch, or a small campfire. You instantly clean or soil an object no larger than one cubic feet. You chill, warm, or flavor up to one cubic feet of non-living material for an hour. You make a color, a small mark, or a symbol appear on an object or a surface for one hour. You create a non-magical trinket or illusionary image that can fit in your hand and that lasts until... So you can do, I guess, three of those at once, which is interesting, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can mix them up, mix and match them. You can make one shower sparks and one play music and one light up some weird symbol on your wall. <laughs> You're like, oh god, what happened? We're in here and it's fucking playing music and showering sparks. And the fucking wall's glowing. Like, what's going on in there? <laughs> that would be a really cool alarm system. Yeah. Yeah. Or you like really, really hate the smell of something. You just set one of them up. And it creates that odor. You just smell it in the air and you're like intruders. <laughs> yeah. I think that's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah. I don't know how necessarily this uh, correlates to a non-cultural aspect, though. I will say the, the living in the forest and being able to communicate with animals makes sense. You're out there. You're involved with them. But the, the the rock gnome type thing, being able to do, you know, the tinkering and artifice seems, I don't know, less a, right, distinct trait of being a gnome. Yeah. And more of a, like, cultural thing, like you learn to do this from someone. Not that I was born yeah. able to tinker. I was five seconds old when I made my first clock. <laughs> <laughs> Tick tock. Tick tock, tick tock. Those are my first words. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, just wanted to say that there. Um, I do. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I do appreciate like tinkering skills and cool stuff like that. But like I mentioned, I think it's sort of cultural in in its like display there. Whereas like Forest Gnome doesn't really have any like implied things about it it's you know you can do these things because you lived in the forest uh, but i guess that's a cultural thing too maybe because they don't have the the thing that elves have so like the elf has that distinction to where it's like they draw magic from where they are and that's how they innately get magic and so depending on where they draw it from they can have different spells that are given to them that they can cast it I don't know. Thanks to debate later. <laughs> All right, I think we're we're almost there. Um, there's halfling, there's orc, and there's tiefling are the last three. Um, halfling still has brave. Brave is great. Halfling still has lucky. Lucky is great. Lucky is great. Um, there is a distinction here. Um, luck is when you roll a one on a d twenty. 
of a d20 test you can re-roll it um d20 test is a new thing that they're doing um to minimize the amount of words it seems so it would normally say in other books it would say a thing like an attack roll a skill check or a saving throw whereas a d20 test is all of those things and you only say the one the two words there so um that's cool um Halfling nimbleness is in the original it's one. It's still the same, except they make the distinction. So halfling <laughs> nimbleness is you can move through the space of a creature that's larger than you. So a halfling is small size. Okay. So, you know, in theory, if you're trying to get around someone who's medium or large, you could run or run between their legs or, oh, you know, okay. dash next to them. But the this new piece um, makes the distinction that you can move through that space, but uh, explicitly says you cannot stop in that space. You cannot also occupy that space for the whole turn. You're just oh. moving through it. Okay, so hmm. that's interesting. Um, what was the? There was another thing. Whenever you occupied another person's space, you got like force damage and like pushed out of the space. I wonder if that's going to be the wording from now on. If it's just you can't stop there. You're not allowed to stop in their space. Instead of uh, if you stop in their face, you gotta move to the nearest space and take damage or whatever. Or if that's gonna still be the same, we'd have to see see more stuff. Um, and then they've moved um, the naturally stealthy trait out of these like sub race of Lightfoot just into all halflings. Okay. Uh, what did the other uh, halflings... Stout. Stout Resilience. Um, that was in the old one, and I don't see it in the new one. So yeah. this was, you have advantage on saving throws against poison, and you have resilience against poison. Okay. But I don't see that anywhere in the new stuff. I think maybe that makes sense, because, like, dwarves have that the dwarven resilience is to poison so maybe the overlap there is is the reasoning and then also minimizing it down to one thing and not two different subsections uh probably contributes to that too um anyway halfling is really good halfling has has been good luck is really powerful um brave is really powerful uh i think the the big thing about Brave that's always been good is you can end the Frightened Condition, um, which is uh, normally it's like you have advantage on saving throws against, whereas this is you have advantage on ending it also, which is powerful. So it's like if I fail and I get frightened, I still have advantage to fight against it. Uh, cool stuff. Halflings are great. Um, orcs are next. Um, orcs have had some uh some not so so great trait names and also very like culturally specific things so uh, in this version it looks like they're you know stepping in a, in a cool direction um let me pull that up i don't believe so i think it was in volo's guide uh Volo's? the original printing yeah the original printing of Orc is in Volo's Guide to Monsters. 
and uh, yeah, um, they give like a ton of just information about cultural aspects of orcs and uh, like how tribes work and like what they their culture is and what their beliefs are and uh, yeah I, I don't I don't know that that's a good thing in the game like sometimes it's cool to have like cool info about different things but like this is just specifically telling you orcs behave this way which I don't like and uh, yeah they, so they had aggressive <laughs> uh, which why like, what if I want to be a cool, peaceful orc, hangs out with the bros, and cast spells? Um, they had primal intuition. And uh, uh, aggressive says you can move up to your speed as a bonus action toward an enemy of your choice that you can see or hear. You must end the move closer to your enemy than you started. Um, this is unique to the ability in the playtest, which is... Adrenaline Rush, you can take the dash action as a bonus action. When you do so, you gain a number of temporary hit points equal to your proficiency bonus. Meaning, I'm a cool, calm wizard who does not want to be involved in any sort of fight. I can use this to run <laughs> and gain health. And it has no connotations on my lineage at all. It, it just says, you know... I can get a boost of energy and, you know, get out of a scenario or get into a scenario if you are, you know, a rush into battle type person. Um, and I think that's cool. I think it leaves it to you, again, the, the player to decide my character is this. And then also when you're making, you know, uh, encounters as a DM, you can then decide, do I... Is this a, a is this you know an aggressive fighter barbarian you know uh, attack type character or is this a, you know a diplomatic person who's like maybe I should get farther away so they can't hit me and we can continue to try to talk. Um, they still have dark vision. Uh, that's a thing. They still have powerful build, which uh, which is good. That that's cool. They're they're you know stronger. And uh, the new thing they have, other than the uh, Adrenaline Rush, is Relentless Endurance, which is an ability that the Half-Orc had. Um, there is no Half-Orc in this playtest. Um, it says, when you are reduced to zero hit points but not killed outright, you can drop to one hit point instead. Once you use it, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. Um, yeah, this is a, was a big... Uh, was a big uh, part of like playing half orc characters was like oh they have this really cool ability um, that i i've seen you know different players that i've played with use um half orc to just get that fun ability whereas now orc just has it um speaking of half orc there are changes to uh the concept of playing multiple lineages together um which we'll talk about in a sec uh on to the next one tiefling um what is what is new what is new and true in the tiefling department um, let me do some flippy flips 
Yeah, Tiefling is a player's handbook. Okay, cool. Do, do, do. Okay. You, you just move the ball. Just keep coming back. Yeah, that was my hand. Okay, you just, 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 just. Alright, it looks like they have three different um, legacies. Is that new? That does appear to be new, yeah. Okay. So there's an Abyssal Legacy, a Catonic Legacy? That sounds like the word, yeah. Uh, it definitely could be the word. And an Infernal Legacy. Oh, okay. So. Infernal Legacy is in the original, but they've added two more. Okay. Um, Alright. That's cool. So there's like different kinds of tiefling. Yes. Uh, what's the one earlier? Ardling. Ardling had the, basically the same thing, but it was celestial things. They had three different celestial legacies. And this one has three different fiendish legacies. Ooh, fiendish. Um. So they each come with their own special bits. An abyssal um, legacy at first level comes with resistance to poison damage. You also know the poison spray cantrip. Tonic, and I might be pronouncing that horribly. Legacy has resistance to necrotic damage and has the chill touch cantrip. And the infernal has... The has resistance to fire damage and the fire bolt cantrip. This is different than the original Infernal Legacy, which came with the Thaumaturgy cantrip. And Good. as far as I can tell, doesn't didn't originally come with any resistances. Yeah. Oh, uh, you have hellish resistance in just regular tiefling resistance to fire damage. Mm -hmm. But it's a separate like trait, which is weird. Um, speaking of separate traits, uh, Otherworldly Presence is their last ability, which gives you the Thaumaturgy catch. Uh, so you get it anyway. <laughs> Score. Um, yeah. Uh, so each of the different types are flavored based on the...
based on the different lower plane that you come from, because, uh, yeah, they have different things. Uh, so Abyssal, the Abyss, um, cool stuff like that, you know, uh, Pandemonium, Carceri, and then Catonic uh, is, um, you know, Gehenna, Hades, those places, neutral evil places. Um, Abyssal is chaotic evil places, and then Infernal is lawful evil places, um, like the Nine Hells, Acheron, uh, and they all have different like variations on what they give you. Uh, Ray of Sickness is the third level Abyssal spell, then Hold Person is the 5th level Abyssal Spell. Um, Katana gets False Life at 3rd level. Ray of Enfeeblement at 5th level. Infernal gets Hellish Rebuke at 3rd level. Darkness at 5th level. So there's different flavors of like cool skills based on the location that you're from. Uh, something I also noticed is uh, reading the small little experts experts mm -hmm. the small little excerpts they're really tiny how'd they get in there yeah they're just the smallest experts um uh on the different uh lineages of many worlds uh tieflings of many worlds references sigil and a lot of these reference sigil and they announced at one D D that planescape would be the last book of 2023 which is where sigil is at um so i think that's kind of cool they're like slyly referencing Sigil and how that works in the in these different things. I think that's dope. Um, the next section is backarounds. Um, instead of picking a background in this variation in the playtest, they suggest you build a background. And they offer sample backgrounds that are pre-built, but they suggest you just build one. Um, which, uh, building a background could never be so simple. Oh. In your background now, you get ability score increases there in your background. Hooray. Uh, you can pick one to increase by two, or one to increase by one, or three to increase by one. Um, you get two skills. You have proficiency in them. You get one tool proficiency um, in addition to getting that tool. It says tool proficiency, choose one tool, your character gains tool proficiency with it. Um, that was something interesting in the other uh, background thing is when you chose a proficiency for a tool that did not mean you had it in your equipment. <laughs> um, and then you get to choose one language because, yeah, you learned that language from somewhere. Where did you learn it from? Right? Kind of cool. Um, sample background. Oh, the last thing you get in your background, the last two things, is a feat new first level feats they're um going to be ranked by level and i can only assume that it'll be first level fourth level eighth and then twelfth because you get your feet or ability score modifier every fourth level so four eight twelve sixteen twenty <laughs> um that's going to be my assumption um i could be entirely wrong they could be doing something completely different in this version but that is not in this document. Um, so yeah, you get a first level feat. Um, equipment, your character starts with 50 gold pieces to spend on their starting equipment. They don't tell you what you got. They don't tell you nothing. You're not deciding based on some arbitrary nonsense. Uh, like 
am I a diviner or an explorer? Um, you just you just get to go shopping, pick out the stuff that you got. And you know what? You spend fifty gold pieces on rocks, and you got a bag full of rocks. You're the rock person. Whatever. Goals. <laughs> and I, I think that's cool. I think that's great. And I think also taking away the ability to score things lineages is great also as well um speaking of stuff the sample backgrounds uh they give you you know a rundown quick <clears throat> an easy picket i have a background it does all the math for me uh an acolyte gets the ability score increase of plus two wisdom plus one intelligence skill proficiencies of insight and religion uh, tool proficiency with calligrapher supplies uh, the celestial language and the feat magic initiate divine um, and then it gives you their list of equipment and that's what pretty much all of them do um, the only thing I don't like is I think that they should have left the left the language just open because some of them get a little a little problematic a little little troublesome down here um, like uh, I guess cultist makes sense. Speaking abyssal makes sense. Um, being a criminal and knowing thieves can't make sense. But being an artisan and knowing gnomish seems like that's a little weird. Uh, or, you know, being a, a sailor, or not a sailor, a gladiator and knowing orc, the orc language. I think some of these are like, uh, that's a little, that's a little weird. You can't. You can't tie orcs to being gladiators. That's not fair to orcs. Um, or you can't make, you know, gnomes artisans. That's unfair. Uh, so I think maybe leaving the language as a blank. Like uh, you can pick the language. But like picking the other things, like the tool proficiency and the skill proficiencies. Maybe even leaving the ability modifier thing blank as well. Like, here's the skills, here's the tools, here's your feet, and then, you know, fill it in with what you want yeah. for the other two, the language and ability scores. And, you know, and then they can even pick all your equipment, because whatever, that's fine. I'm a firm believer in if your player can argue for it and make a good enough argument, then go for it. Yeah. So, like, I learned these skills, and they're not usually the skills that go with being a criminal, but this is the specific kind of criminal I was, and therefore had to learn X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So. And I think, like, I think functionally in, in its base form, the not being a sample variation of it doesn't really have any problems, because it just gives you all of, you just pick everything. You get to decide what your character did in their background and what skills they know and how they know them. And that's all your choice. Whereas in in some of the samples, I think they do a little a little bit of not so cool things, um, you know. Uh, and I, I think that's something they can fix very easily. They can just say, you know, we're not going to pick the language or your ability score increases for you. Because like the skill and tool proficiencies, they make sense in a like you know picture of what a you know hermit does or what a noble does right they they seem logical in that in that aspect i guess uh what someone from that background would you know have access to and have learned uh but i think just sticking with the build your own background and 
not having sample backgrounds might be a cool plan. I get that it's like, you know, an easy thing for new players to just pick one and go, but also it's more fun picking all the stuff. Like, you know, I don't know. Odd feelings about sample backgrounds. Some of them are not good. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, cool things. Um, languages. They discuss languages later in the document. And uh, among the new standard languages, there is common sign language. So your character can speak sign language. Can you imagine a party of, like, you know, sneaky people? all speaking in sign language no one can hear them that's awesome you know but also inclusive like people speak sign language so that's awesome you can give your character sign language now and i like that <clears throat> uh i think that's it as far as new new things um you do get to pick thieves cant as a language that is not directly tied to rogue so um you can pick thieves cant as one of your languages now, which was not a thing prior. You had to be a rogue to get Thieves Cant. And now you, you can pick it. Oh. So, feats, um, they're described in this thing as they have a level. Each feat has a level. To take the feat, you have to be equal or exceed the feat's level. New thing. Um, they have prerequisites, which you must meet any prerequisite specified in the feat to take that feat. If you lose the feat's prerequisite, you cannot use that feat until you regain the prerequisite. Um, there are some cool abilities that, uh, that, that things get to take away your ability to do different skills. And so if a skill is a prerequisite for, you know, or a proficiency is a prerequisite for a feat, then, you know, the mind monster thing says you don't have a you don't have proficiency in swords anymore and you can't use your sword feet anymore. so uh i think that's cool because it's like it ties it to a thing but um none of the none of the feats in this have prerequisites because they're all first level feats um and then the next thing is repeatable if the feat is repeatable you can take it more than once if it isn't you can only take it once um, the only example of repeatable in here is the skilled feat, I believe, but I could be wrong. Oh, here, hold on. Yeah, no, uh, magic initiate is also repeatable. But you can't take the same, you have to pick a different spell. Yeah, but you have to dif pick a different Which spell. Which makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, go but yeah um skilled is not even in this oh skilled isn't never mind i missed it completely there it is i was like where did skilled go um so there are some changes to feats um alert is now you roll initiative and add your proficiency bonus to the roll and then immediately after you roll initiative you can swap initiative with the initiative of one willing ally in the same combat that's cool. Uh, you cannot make this swap if you are if you are the ally or incapacitated. Um, previously, it was you can't be surprised. Uh, you add a static plus five to it. Um, there was something else I don't remember, but I like this one. 
I mean, the original alert feed is probably stronger than this one. <clears throat> but I like the ability to say, look, there's danger. Like, hey, you over there, look. And you know, that person can take action because you've informed them, because you were alert, you were paying attention. And I think that's cool. And I think it's, it matches what the, what the feat is trying to do. It makes sense. It's like, oh, you saw danger and you told someone and now they can do something about it. Um, yeah. Uh, crafter. Um, this is the thing I was talking about earlier. With uh, uh, You gain a tool proficiency with three different types of tools of your choice. And then the next thing is discount. Whenever you buy a non-magical item, you receive a 20% discount on it. Um, and then whenever you craft an item using a tool with which you have tool proficiency, the required crafting time is reduced by 20%. So it makes me think that they're going to talk about crafting in this in this new uh, version. Um, yeah, uh, there's a bunch of other feats. They're changed. Um, you should look at them. <laughs> we could cover them all. Um, but that doesn't seem to be a plan. Um, so changes to the rules um, in the rules glossary here. Um, there are the spell changes. There's arcane, divine, and primal spell lists now. Um, there uh, uh, artisans tools now all cost 15 gold pieces um, instead of the prices that are in the player's handbook. Uh, there are creature types. Um, every player character has a special tag in the rules that identifies the type of creature they are. Um, they give a list of those. Um, and spells specify that they don't affect or benefit or harm specific types of uh, uh, darn creature types. Uh, they smashed all of the possible rules into one thing called a d20 test. They do say in here that rolling a 1 is a failure, and rolling a 20 is a success. This wasn't in the rules prior. Um, this was mostly home-ruled by people um, most, most of the time. Uh, also, if you roll a 20, you gain inspiration Ooh. thanks to your remarkable success. Another uh, written-in inspiration. Yeah, but also... Another thing is, if you have inspiration, um, you can give it to another person in your group that doesn't have it. Ooh. Um, the next thing is critical hits have been changed to weapons and unarmed strikes and do not count for spells. Uh, spell attack rules cannot critical hit. Um, prices on gaming sets changed to one gold piece. Um, Grappled is different in some way. I don't know. Um, incapacitated is a thing. Uh, it seems to be the same, mostly the same. Uh, when you start a long rest, you lose inspiration. So you, if you don't lose it, use it before you, you snooze it, then you ain't gonna choose it. it or lose it. <laughs> um, and then uh, the rules for a long rest are... Pretty much the same. It's eight hours long, six hours, and then no more than two hours of light activity. Uh, for elves, it's still a four-hour <clears throat> meditation. Yeah. Um, at the end of a long rest, uh, 
you, you gain your, your hit points and all your fun stuff. Um, creature cannot benefit from more than one long rest in a 24 hour period and must have at least one hit point at the start of the rest to gain its benefits. Um, another interesting little change here is if a long rest is interrupted by a combat or one hour of walking, casting spells, or similar activity, the rest confers no benefit and must be restarted. However, if the rest is at least one hour long before the interruption, the creature gains the benefits of a short rest. So if you, if you start a long rest and you sleep for an hour and someone wakes you up, you get a short rest. Uh, um, there's the rules for Tremor Sense. Um, slowed is a new condition. Slowed says you have limited movement. You must spend one extra foot of movement for every foot you move. Uh, attacks affected. Attack rolls against you have advantage. Dexterity saves affected. You have disadvantage on dexterity saves. Um, that's the slowed. Uh, unarmed strike now says you can use a use an unarmed strike, and uh, you get three choices: damage. The target takes bludgeoning damage equal to one plus your strength modifier. Grapple. The target is grappled, and the grapple's escape DC equals eight plus your strength modifier plus your proficiency bonus. The grapple is possible only if the target is no more than one size larger than you, and you have a hand free to grab the target. This is different than the grapple rules, the extra complicated grapple rules from 5th edition where you have to roll a contest to see if you can grab them and it has to be. This just says if you hit them with your unarmed strike, you can grab them. And they can escape using your escape piece. Uh, also, shove is the other part of that you can push the target five feet or knock them prone and uh that again doesn't have any like weird stipulations they make a save or do something and you gotta roll another thing it just says if you hit them with the unarmed strike you can knock them prone or push them back five feet which sure they have an ac it makes sense um and then they give you the the spell list um, what are arcane spells, what are divine spells, what are primal spells. They only go over the cantrips and the first level spells because none of the rest of them were covered in the in the document. Um, that, that, that's everything. That's the whole document. Except for one little box that I forgot to read all the way at the beginning. So there's a little box and uh, I'm going to start off with I don't like it. Um, <laughs> It says, thanks to the magical workings of the multiverse, humanoids of different kinds sometimes have children together. Cool. That makes sense. For example, folks who have a human parent and an orc or an elf parent are particularly common. Right? Okay. If you'd like to play the child of such a wondrous pairing, choose two lineage options that are humanoid to represent your parents. Then determine which of those lineage options provided are provide your game traits, size, speed, and special traits. You can mix and match visual characteristics. For example, if your character has a halfling and a gnome parent, you might choose halfling for your game traits and then decide that your character has pointed ears that are characteristics of gnome. I, I, I don't like this because it just negates the idea of being a being of multiple lineages. It says you pick one of them to give you what your traits are. And then you can look like whatever you want to look like, but you don't have any of the traits of 
Like if you you say I choose in this example, you choose halfling. So you have the halfling traits in game. Those count as your lineage traits. You have all the halfling traits, but you don't get anything from being a gnome other than you can look like a gnome also, which in the games that I run, you can look like whatever you want to look like and it doesn't matter what lineage it shows. You know, you can yeah. say I have, you know, cat fur on my back because I wanted it. Whatever. You look, you got cat fur on your back. Yeah. Uh, it also <clears throat> implies that, like, the having parents from different lineages isn't super common. Like, I feel like everyone could be a mix of anything at yeah. some point. So I think it should be more of a grab bag of what kind of traits you get. Like, oh, my great-great-grandma on my mom's side was an elf. But, you know, like, there should be more to it. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah. I think there are better ways to do this, and I think they're just not at the point where they're doing that yet. So, um, and a side that I uh, have is uh, I am of the opinion that you can mix and match the traits as well. And that I don't think they have a catastrophic bearing on the game. And I think you could say, you know, you have whatever traits from whichever one. I think there should be some sort of limitation on the number of traits that you can have. Um, my initial thought was whichever of your lineages has the most, you can have that as the maximum, right? Um, or something of that nature. So like, you know, you have a dwarf in your lineage, they have five traits, and uh, the other person you choose is human. They have three traits, so you can pick five from the eight available traits, and you can mix and match them however you want to mix and match them. And sure, in some instances, it might be a little stronger than a first level character should be, but I don't think that that's problematic enough that it makes the game unfun so um yeah wizards if you're listening just throwing it out there <laughs> uh i think you can you can call them lineages and you can get traits from your lineages however you want to get them and you know then this expands to even further than that um you could you know have you know a parent whose parents are an orc and a human and then another parent whose parents are an elf and a gnome and you can mix and match the traits from all four of those because it goes all the way back in your lineage right and i think it's not ruining the game <laughs> i think it works out fine so um yeah play test it jeremy crawford <laughs> Uh, that, that, that's it. That's all that's in the playtest document. Um, Steph, do you want to, want to, want to give a, like, overview? What do you, what do you think about this? Does it feel like good things are coming or bad things are coming? What? I think there were a lot of, move, like, moves that were a step in the right direction. You know, the, um, the switch from the orc trait to, what was it, Adrenaline Rush? Yeah. Um, but I do really like your idea of 
borrowing traits and things and there's a, such a big emphasis in this new um, document on like your background and where you came from why you do the things you do <laughs> do it again <laughs> um, but I think it would be fun to play um, a one shot of by the book and then a one shot of your idea of choosing traits from all sections of your lineage that would uh, be awesome yeah but yeah thanks for listening that's, that's the podcast that it, things got dicey yeah it was actually dicey so dicey so that's so dicey yeah you're the cat's meow <laughs> <laughs> Shake it out of him. <laughs>